Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode uh, of Penny Dreadfuls from the Moth Sanctuary. Uh, so this is a, a nice little idea that we, we came up with, seeing as though we've seen so much support from people uh, who've been listening into the show. Um, thank you all so much for that. Uh, so we just thought we'd take a little bit of time to go behind some of the stories um, and just have a look at how they were all put together, where the ideas came from, and uh, to, to kind of explore any themes. Uh, I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Chloe. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about one of Chloe's stories, the terrifying Midnight Visits. Ooh. Yes, which was one that was, when you first sent it through, it was so scary that I couldn't actually read it. Uh, and it was in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, that's how scary. That's how scared I was of, of that story. So, just to get a, a little, little bit of insight from you. First of all, can can you give us a little, um, just a little overview of the story uh, as you see it? It's a really simple story, essentially, um, because it's a kid who goes to bed and gets visited in what he thinks is his nightmares by this scary, ghostly woman figure who holds out her hand as if she's asking him to come with her. Um, and essentially, that's that's the crux of it, really, um, without wanting to give away the ending. It's just this nightmarish figure and trying to unravel the relationship she has with this little boy and what she wants and why she wants him to go with her. So, you know, that, that's an interesting thing that I find from the story because from my side of things, I love the fact that she's never really explained. She's just there. You don't know what her relationship is to the family or just the house. It's not like this is a haunted house story. No. She just appears. And I really like that that whole side of thing. Do, do you know who she is or, or do you have any inclination as to as to what she's there for, or what she wants? It's a strange kind of thing because she she's not really an established character in the story, if that makes sense. Like she's not somebody who I think has a motivation or a connection to to the other characters or the family. She is very much a, a disparate figure. Um, but there is a weird connection from me to this idea of a, a kind of visitor in the night when you're a kid, which I'm sure you'll get me to go into. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that was going to be my next thing because I, I know that the story behind this is one that goes back quite far and we didn't actually realise when we published the story just just the significance of this story. Um, so maybe you want to go in, into a little bit of detail about, about how you how you came up with the idea, first of all, and how that developed into the story as we know it now. And then the the little little additional information that we learned after it was published. Sure. So obviously this is a horror story and it's intentionally meant to be scary. Ooh. So I've <laughs> obviously upped the drama in many ways. Um, but I remember when I was a really little girl, so I must have been four years old, I distinctly remembered having somebody sitting at the end of my bed in the night talking to me. And I suppose when I was younger, I didn't really think, oh, it's a ghost or it's a visitation or anything like that because I didn't really know. But 
I always had this really distinct memory of someone being sat on the end of my bed and talking to me in the night. And that's kind of where this concept came from, that there's this person that just visits this this kid night after night after night and he's not sure like who she is or what she's there for. Um, was it was it the same figure that you that you write in the story? Is is that the same figure that you saw? No, no, not at all. So I I kind of didn't know who it was, and I don't know whether that was because my memories just failed and I, I don't remember it properly. Um, I just remember it being a person. So in the story, I, I created her as this this old woman. Um, I always knew it was an older person. Um, but I, I couldn't really remember who it was. So I, I based the character on this kind of distant memory and, and turned her into this really spooky, horrifying woman that haunts this poor boy's dreams. Obviously, we, we kind of went from that initial seed and and became what it is now. But like I said, that's that's not quite where the story of the story ends, is no, it? No, the, the actual true story behind it is almost even more creepy in a way because um we went out for dinner with my parents and we were talking about the series and all of the stories and my dad ended up telling me this story to say that when um when his dad died my granddad I must have been I think I actually was four years old because I think I was in hospital having my tonsils out on the day of his funeral and my dad said, like, just a short while after he died, he and my mum woke up in the middle of the night and they could hear me talking from my bedroom. And they were both like, who on earth is she talking to? It's like three o'clock in the morning. So they'd come into my room to see what I was doing or what I was talking about. And both my mum and dad said they could smell the scent of Aramis aftershave which is what my granddad used to wear. And my dad said there was a really distinctive like divot at the bottom of my bed that looked like somebody had been sat there. So they're convinced that that my granddad had come to visit me after he died and that's who I was talking to. And that's just you sat up in the middle of the night yeah. babbling away to somebody. Literally, just a little <laughs> little girl sat up in bed chattering away to, you know, granddad having absolutely no idea what's going on. But the weirdest thing is that I didn't know that had happened. So I had this memory that there was somebody who used to come and visit me in the middle of the night and sit on the end of my bed and talk to me. But I never knew that that had happened for them. Like I didn't know that they'd come in and that they'd they discovered this scene and, and smelled his aftershave until they told me at that point. So it's such a weird, like creepy little scene in that I remember it from when I was a kid and they remember it. And we'd never actually ever talked about it before until we we wrote this story and put it out as part of the podcast. Yeah, so. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, it's, goosebumps, right? It does. <laughs> and I remember, I remember when they when they told us the story, it was it was one where we kind of had to look at each other in disbelief, like we couldn't we couldn't quite fathom. And it's it's interesting as well the parallels then because you know the the boy in the story you say believes that. Uh, that he's dreaming that he's mm. he's not realizing that it's actually somebody coming to visit him um and as you've gotten older that's essentially what's happened to you you know the memory actually fades a little bit so that you yeah. can't distinguish who it is that you were you know it was just a figure that you were talking to and you you kind of vaguely remember it but it might have been just a dream or just something half remembered or anything along those lines but 
but then to have it so very clearly corroborated i mean that yeah that's utterly utterly chilling <laughs> so for for you with with this with this story then where 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 does the horror lie in this in this story like what what is the thing within this one where you think that's <laughs> that's where it's prime because obviously we don't fully know what the figure's intentions are. And you know of course- what? That that I think is it. I think mm. it's the fact that you you don't know and you never find out what she wants. And I think that's the scariest part of the story for me. You know, there's there's obviously you know, the the kind of spooky element that, you know, he could be having a nightmare or, you know, is it a ghost coming to visit him? But I like the idea that this character is just a complete mystery. You don't know why mm. she's there. You don't know how she's got there. You don't know what she wants and you don't know what's going to make her go away. And I feel like that kind of uncertainty is is the scariest bit that you're almost like there with with the little boy with your head under the covers and your eyes squeezed really tight just really hoping that she's gonna not be there when, when you, you open your eyes down. again yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I feel that too and i think for me like the thing that i find scary not not just that side of thing but but combined with that is the the steps in which she's willing to to take mm. to be able to like she's so focused on getting this boy to take her hand that she does all these extreme or you believe that she does all these extreme things so yeah like an escalation like yeah. almost if you're watching a, a serial killer yeah for exactly. example so, each deed is more extreme than the last and you still don't ever know why she's doing it in pursuit of getting him like mm. that's the thing is the fact that you know when when she arrives with the with the young girl you know that's that's utterly terrifying the thought that she might have just done something to this young girl we don't know what it is but she could potentially have done something to this young girl to you know other people all around all for the sole purpose of getting a hold of him yeah and, you know like what what steps is she willing to to do to 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 go to the and get this boy but you still never know why you never know why <laughs> it's frustrating as well as scary do you have a favorite part of the story oh I, I, it's a silly one, but I feel like that that moment I was just kind of describing there where he's under the covers and he's got his eyes squeezed really tight, just desperately hoping that when he opens them again, everything's going to be back to normal. Because I think although that's not necessarily the, the scariest or the most interesting part of the story, I feel like it's the most relatable. I feel like everybody at some point in their life has has been there and felt that. And I feel like that kind of really sucks you in because it's so... It's such a universal feeling and a universal moment that I feel like anybody could put themselves in that story at that point. And know exactly what they're feeling. Know what that feels like. Absolutely. And how how do you feel about the story now that it's, you know, in terms of where the original idea was and the original concept to how it turned out? You know, what what, did anything change? What were your thoughts on how, how the end result turned out? She's definitely more sinister I think than I initially thought she would be so this whole idea of her doing these more and more extreme things with each night or each visitation she kind of took on a life of her own as I was writing and doing all of these things um, which yeah was quite cool initially it was just going to be someone who just visits every night and he doesn't know how to get rid of her and yeah she, she took on a life of her own and started doing all these terrifying things which 
I think is quite cool. But I also, I, I really love this story. Now I, I kind of know where that memory came from mm. that inspired it. Yeah. I just find that really cool in the sense that, you know, I've created this scary ghostly figure, but that was actually inspired by potentially an actual real ghostly figure. Paranormal Th encounter. Thanks, Grandad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for sharing your insight on the story. Uh, and of course, the story itself is available to listen to on the on the podcast channel. So if you go ahead and have a look, that's in our first season. I believe it's the sixth episode, maybe the seventh of the first season. Memory. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's available to check out now. And just as a little bit of fun, we thought we'd uh, cap off these little behind the stories with just an extra bonus question that we can both um, answer. So this one, this for this episode, we have uh, what horror tropes do you think need to go away? So as somebody who works in the, in the genre now, who operates in the genre, um, obviously the horror genre is full of tropes and archetypes. Which ones are you just tired of and need to get in the bin? Teenagers in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, especially where one of them is a cheerleader. <laughs> just get in the sea. <laughs> is is that is that because of a resentment towards cheerleaders or just unimaginative storytelling? No, I just find it so boring. And I think because mm. of the because of my age, um, there was so much of that around when I was sort of a, in my early teens and getting into horror and watching scary movies. There was just so many stupid teenagers in an isolated cabin or an isolated house all alone and some kind of big boogeyman slasher. <laughs> it's just not scary anymore. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. If someone wearing a hockey mask with a knife broke into my house while I was alone, I would be terrified. But I just don't want to watch any more movies with that theme. And they always yeah. just seem to to do the absolute opposite of what, what they should do. Like... Don't, just don't don't go in don't go into the woods don't go into the cabin lock the door and stay inside don't go and explore you know they always do the opposite like of if what I they was, should be doing yeah like yeah. if I was in a cabin in the woods and I thought there was a murderer outside I would just be you know barricading the doors to make sure no one gets in I totally wouldn't be like going outside to look for somebody like one of my friends wasn't in the cabin too bad mate <laughs> <laughs> see I you know I I see where you're coming from however I feel like Right now, I would take that any day over the character that turns to a again. We're going into movies here. It seems to be more movies than literature, yeah. but um, the the character that turns to the camera or turns to another character and goes shh and puts their <laughs> fingers up to their lips. I mean, there's there's uh, the movie Sinister. I think that's that's the one the, the one blemish on that film is towards the end. You've just got a whole bunch of characters that are just doing that. And there's no point or purpose for them to do it. So therefore, it just it just comes across looking looking like a trope. It just it, it's there because it needs to be there. But obviously, you know, if you're quiet, you won't get killed. That's how this works, right? But that's the thing is, is usually the thing that's going to be doing the killing, be it a doll or a creepy kid. That's another thing that can get in the sea, by the way, is <laughs> creepy, creepy kids. kids. <laughs> but yeah, it just you know, if you have that that figure that that demonic figure that just turns to you and just the only time when it's acceptable is in Ghostbusters because <laughs> because Ghostbusters can do no wrong well no it's because it's because it's a librarian that's doing it Shh. so she's interested in making everybody be quiet in the library 
<laughs> and that's the only time it's acceptable. There's there's no other time when it's acceptable. Do librarians get a free pass, horror movies or not? Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your insight for this episode and thank you all for listening. We hope that uh, it's given you a little bit of uh, behind the scenes intrigue as to how Midnight Visits came together. We're going to be doing a few more of these, so uh, please do stay subscribed to the podcast for when they come. And we will be giving you all the updates uh, with the progress of more stories in the future. But for now, I'm Andrew. I'm Chloe. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>